Hi everyone, welcome back to Impressionable. Today I am joined by the wonderful Pell Noir. Oh my goodness, I am joined here by the wonderful Rebecca. <laughs> How are you doing? I am doing better now that I am talking to you and we are going to get this thing going. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm honestly just staring at your earrings. How amazing. Yes, thank you so much. I totally took these from one of my burlesque daughters and I'm not sure if she's getting them back. <laughs> they feel like they belong to me. So we'll see what happens. Oh my God, that's perfect. For, for those <laughs> who don't know you, could you give a little intro into who you are and what you get up to? Yes. So hello, officially, everyone. My name is Pearl Noir. I am the embodiment of Josephine Baker. Those of you who are lucky enough to know who she is, I'm considered the modern day version of Josephine Baker. I am a burlesque icon and I am the founder and CEO of a burlesque coaching program called Healing Through Seduction. Oh God, I can't wait to get into all of this because when we first met, I was like, went on a tangent about all the things that I find super interesting about what you do and what you get up to. But I have a question I ask everyone on the podcast to start us off. And it's what is something or what has been something that's made an impression on you recently? Recently, what has made a huge impression on me is my own community. So one of the ways um, that burlesque affected my own life was after surviving being sex trafficked. Um, When I was 19, my friend tricked me into prostitution. And four years later, I found myself being a burlesque queen and Mm -hmm. I used the art of burlesque to heal. And I never wanted to tell that side of the story. You know how we all are. Tell me how you got into this. Oh, well, I'll get into this and blah, blah, blah. And then I started working with this beautiful Broadway performer who now has a speaking coaching program called Strength on Stages. And Robert, you know, he had this exercise where we had to list some of the most profound things that happened to us. And I'm not thinking, but honoring my intuition, put how I got started in burlesque, really. And he said, this is your story. You have to tell this story. Fast forward, went to his mastermind, recorded the story for the first time in front of a group of people, never told this story before, have the video. Yesterday, I posted the keynote about surviving this incident and how burlesque shaped my life after that. And now I have like 200 something messages to respond to. Mm -hmm. So just yesterday. (laughs) You're going to get a whole lot more. I hope so. I sure hope so. You know, it's just so many people felt touched Mm -hmm. and, and so many people felt like burlesque also had that impact on them that they were able to release shame and guilt mm-hmm. from the past, come back to their body. So I, yeah, just yesterday to answer your question. Well, that's so great to hear. <laughs> I think it would be great to hear from you more about like the actual journey, like why burlesque? How did you learn mm-hmm. about what it is and how you perform it? Well, luckily for me, and I think most of us, if we really allow ourselves to tap into this thought, Burlesque chose me, Mm. you know, it was introduced to me as I was escaping abuse. It was introduced to me as a way to honor my dreams. I used to sneak out of the house as a child to talk to the moon about escaping the ghetto, escaping my life and being a performer. 
but growing up not being able to afford the dance lessons. So I taught myself. Then I found myself in New Orleans looking for auditions, found myself. There was nothing else but this one job description for a burlesque musical, an all black burlesque musical called Funky Bee. Auditioned for that, got the role of Lolly Fedici, who was an ex burlesque star who turned like drug addict. <laughs> and surprisingly enough, had a pimp. And so I was like, well, I know how to play this role. And after I got the role, that's how I started researching. I mean, it was kind of hard too to find evidence of a lot of black or less performers from the past. But luckily there was Josephine Baker. And so I started reading her story and I saw myself in her. She grew up poor as well. She grew up being told she was ugly the majority of her life and then became this sex symbol, became a woman so wealthy in the 20s. A woman, add on that, a black woman, wealthy enough to live in a castle, a secret spy for the French resistance, covering up secrets in invisible English sheet music. I was like, this is me. And I just one day felt her say, I want you to embody me and I want you to honor my legacy. And that what I have been doing in burlesque aside from learning about her in so many powerhouses burlesque will heal anyone especially if you're not a performer because you won't think it but it will heal anyone because burlesque is the only art form the only healing modality that gives you full autonomy over your body mm-hmm. so nothing is going to happen to your body unless you say so in burlesque and even if you haven't survived any kind of sexual abuse any trauma you survive you're surviving trauma from work we're in a whole pandemic and the world never stopped Mm. so like it goes the the autonomy of our body is so deep and all of us need to have that moment and then all of us want a, a new story all of us want a chance to tell our own story and many of us don't right we've all been taught to tell someone else's story go out to get that good job that someone else's company right get that white pick and fence you got to make sure someone else is saying yes to you now have the children so that you have that perfect picture but what about your picture mm-hmm. right and so you heal in burlesque because it's theater it has the storytelling yeah yeah, yeah. i hope i answered that question no it's you definitely did but it's just led me to more questions <laughs> i i was really interested in like how you find found your authenticity as a performer like was there a point where you were like I'm really not copying anyone else anymore this Mm -hmm. is what I want to do how do you do you get there now I'm I have the gift and the curse of being authentic so I've always Mm -hmm. been authentic and I say the curse because when you go against the grain you find yourself being the black sheep in your family yeah right and one of the things that has always been in me is my ability to use my emotions to heal, my ability to be vulnerable with people and myself. And I always knew, even as a child, that there was power in my femininity and my sexuality. And that's why I got into so much trouble growing up in this very religious family. Mm -hmm. Um, And so being authentic, first of all, if anyone wants to go on that journey, you want to just offer yourself grace and offer yourself the truth, which is to be authentic is to honor every part of you. So I think sometimes people feel like because they're acting a certain way with a group of people, maybe they're not being authentic. There's a time and place for everything. 
yes. right? Like we live in a society where you need to be safe and there, there needs to be a time and place for everything. But if you're wanting to go on that journey of being authentic, the way I did when I was performing, I didn't shy away from going to the communities that wanted to see me. So I didn't work in the States a lot. Throughout history, Black people have always done better overseas. That's why I've always been at like the Sydney Opera House, New Zealand, New Caledonia, you know, Senegalia, Asia. So I focused on where the love was. And so when we have that battle with being authentic, it's because oftentimes a part of it is we're not nurturing ourselves in the right community. Mm. So I never had a problem being myself. That's how I became an icon in burlesque because I was the only one doing ritualistic burlesque performances. And the most celebrated woman of our time is Dita Von Tease, And she brought me in with her very, very early on, even though I was totally different from her. That's mm. what, it, so I surrounded myself with people who were not trying to bring me down. But build up, but I, I can imagine you need a lot of courage Mm-hmm. to enter those kinds of spaces and to leave behind you know mm-hmm. the things that no longer serve you yes and the start of it is putting up the mirror to yourself mm-hmm. so it, it has to be you dedicating time to seducing yourself being kind to yourself and the seduction is you know I want to break that down because well, unless we are willing to seduce ourselves we can't have the courage with other people. That's the disconnect. You won't even cry with yourself alone. I can't tell you how many times I've had sessions with people and it's just the two of us. And a lot of times I have people turn their cameras off to ensure that they're just with themselves and people stop themselves from crying. They stop themselves. They say, I'm sorry. Even if the, even if they're crying because they're happy, right? How many of us have done it? Like, you know, we won't honor our emotions even with ourselves. We won't even honor the seduction with ourselves. You know, if, even when we do something that's intimate, you know, a one-on-one intimate time. Okay. Oftentimes that's even rushed. Mm-hmm. So you don't have the courage to honor your pain by yourself. You don't have the courage to honor your joy, your sensuality, your desires. So it has to start as a solo act. Then we can think about being courageous with other people. A hundred percent. How, as you were saying that, I was just thinking, man, I would love to Mm self-seduce, but I feel like there's a man inside me watching me and Mm -hmm. I'm performing to someone else's gaze Mm -hmm. always. Mm -hmm. How did you combat that? Or or is it just something we have to accept? I think the way to do it is offer yourself grace. We Mm want to remember that when we decide I want to self-seduce. I want to heal from X, Y, and Z. We have to remember that we're now in the infancy of that healing, whatever we're trying to heal. And remember, no one's judging a baby. Have you ever judged a baby for eating with its hands? Let me know. Anybody out there? Who's judging babies around here? Nobody. Nobody's saying, oh, look at that baby. Why doesn't it know how to eat cutlery yet? Everyone's going, oh, look at the baby trying. Right. Mm-hmm. When the baby starts taking the first steps and it falls, you clap. Oh, you tried. So that's what you want to do for mm-hmm. yourself. And if you feel like there's a man watching, you can also switch it. Maybe that man is your higher self. Maybe your higher self is presenting itself in male form. So go ahead and put a concert on for, <laughs> for that, whatever's coming up for you when you are alone. 
tap into that inner child. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. You ha- you can't do the seduction without acknowledging the inner child. The inner child is the one who knows better than to judge the process. How how come like our inner child has been so pushed down though? And how how do you find burlesque, you know, mm-hmm. healing it almost? Yeah, the the inner child is pushed down because we are all being raised by people who weren't allowed to be children themselves. Mm. Okay. I feel like we should pause there. Let everybody take that in. Let those who are raising people take that in. And that is not a dig to anyone. This is what we all have been taught. Again, we have on, I like to say earth with an F (laughs) on earth. Okay. Not earth, but earth on earth. There was a whole pandemic everywhere and no one was allowed to sit still. No one protested that. We protested other things, but we didn't protest that because we've all been conditioned. Right? So no one had a childhood. Mm -hmm. So that's why the child is pushed down because very soon you're told, stop talking to that imaginary friend. Mm. You're a big girl now. You're like four. Don't cry. You're a big boy. Boys, Mm. don't cry. Little girls, you know, put your dress down. You know, don't, don't put your hands on your hips. Instead of telling, making sure the adults are doing what they're supposed to do, we ask the children to shift their behavior very early, yeah. very yeah. early. And burlesque, because burlesque allows you to tap back into that storytelling. What's the first thing? Think about your childhood. The first thing you were told was that there wasn't anyone there when you were talking to someone. You had to mm-hmm. give up your imaginary friend, but maybe they weren't imaginary. Maybe you were connected to that third eye, that crown chakra, right? Mm-hmm. Be, be quiet, so someone told you to be quiet and you, you took it as silence myself. Mm-hmm. So now as an adult, you don't speak up for yourself. So you got to tap back into that inner child and burlesque. When you come and work with me, we will create this burlesque performance where you are in full control. You pick the music, you pick the story that we're telling, you pick what you're wearing, you pick how much you're taking off emotionally, spiritually, sensually, physically. So mm. children are allowed to play burlesque is theater. It's a playground. Mm-hmm. God, I could, I, I'm already seeing how healing it is like holistically. Cause as you yes. said, like it sounds really spiritual as well. Yes. yes. Well, at least the way I do it now, I want to let mm. your listeners know because burlesque is theater, there are many types. Okay. Now I am very special and I always use burlesque as a ritualistic way to heal on stage, which is how I got the attention of so many people. I would make grown men cry. I still Mm -hmm. make grown men cry during my performances. I mean, grown men. Okay. You know, because they can't help but feel how open I am. And, and, Mm -hmm. And I give them an invitation to do something no one else is letting them do on a regular basis because sex doesn't count as, as the true intimacy that we're offering. And so I just want to make sure that that's clear. There, mm-hmm. there, there's grotesque burlesque. You know, there's people being vampires. There's cosplay. 
you know, people dressing up as our favorite characters. There's people doing rock, country, you know, fetish. You know, people might be hanging from the ceilings when you go. Mm -hmm. But my particular style of burlesque is something iconic. It's something healing and it's something intentional. Mm. And, you know, when you're explaining the different types of burlesque, is the community kind of the same across the board? Like, I don't know because I'm I'm not in those communities. I'm mm-hmm. in the community of people who want to use burlesque as a healing modality. You know, and people who like that classic glamour mixed with the new age glamour. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think that it would have to be, right? I mean, no matter the field. I imagine lawyers, the different type of lawyers, you're going to have the community in your law firm, law firm. You know, if you're a telemarketer, you know, we're all going out for something to eat maybe once a week together. So they're human beings. There must be because we cannot help but gravitate towards each other for community. So I'm going to I'm going to go out on the limb and say, yes, it's a great community across the board. Yes. <laughs> yes. And- I know the last time we spoke, we spoke a bit about like healing trauma and obviously like one mm-hmm. way you can do that is for burlesque and self-deduction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We also spoke about how, you know, if you're really on this journey of healing, it's not like, there's not a cure all. It's, it's a process. It has to be a process. And what we want to remember, bless our hearts, because the little bit we have been taught about healing is um, awful. Oh, tell you that truth. It's, you know, it's, it's, I'll speak for myself. Growing up in the Black community, there was a stigma around healing. There was a mm-hmm. stigma around, you know, going to therapy. That's for weak people. You know, you, you go to church and you leave it at the altar, but there's no action, right? And if there's action, then that's proving that you don't have faith, right? So I, I no, there's, there's no way you can manifest a better future without action, mm. right? And so when we're healing, I don't, I think the part that's missing for us, when we're not seeing it, there's this whole thing of our parents doing what they were taught to do, what they think makes sense. All the adults, we don't see them crying. We don't see them screaming in the pillow. We don't see them break down. And I get why adults feel like I'm not going to let my child see that, but you'll let us see violence. You'll let us see sometimes nudity. No, we need to see you breaking down and getting back up. So then the first time it happens to us, we don't automatically think something's wrong with us. You grow up and you've never seen mom cry. You've never seen your aunt, uncles cry. When you cry home alone for the first time, you're going to think something's wrong. Not realizing that that's a gift to cry. That's something that we don't utilize. The tears are there to help us. Mm-hmm. The other part is we want to understand <laughs> that healing our soul, our spirit, our sensuality, healing from these past traumatic events, is it has to be consistent. Just like when we think of healing our body with food and water, a.k.a. nourishing it, We know for a fact, if we don't eat after a few days, we don't drink any water, we know we're going to (laughs) die. And we don't judge, just like we don't judge the babies. We don't say, damn it, body, we're going hungry again. We're excited to eat again. Mm -hmm. We're excited to drink something again. So we want to honor 
and train ourselves to be excited, to keep healing the spirit, to keep healing the mind, to keep healing the heart, the sensuality over and over and over again, just like we do with our body. A hundred percent. I remember asking you about this, like how, you know, when we're hungry, our, we know, right? Our stomach starts rumbling. We feel hungry. Yes. But like emotionally, <clears throat> spiritually, like I don't feel like I get those same sort of cues, you know? So how can we notice when we need to spiritually mm-hmm. uh, nourish ourselves? Have Have you found a way? I think we do know. We just been okay. taught to ignore it. So ah. it's, it's, it's that intuition. It's the feeling restless. It's the feeling numb. Mm. It's the feeling disconnected. It's the feeling bored when you're home alone. You can't just sit still and be with yourself. There's a restlessness because you're not feeding yourself. I think we absolutely do know. Mm. I'm just, I'm going to say that. I'm not going to let us off the hook. No, no, I get you. It's more of like when you, because you're right, we just do push it down. You know? you know what I mean? So that's what I mean. That's that's what I'm saying. I won't let us get off the hook. I'm saying us. I'm including myself because we actually do know when we are disconnected. We decide to overindulge in other things during that mm-hmm. time. Do you think, you know, based on what you said about healing and theater and I'm, I'm a theater lover. So (laughs) I'm an art theater lover anyway. So I find that totally healing, but I can imagine for some listeners, they're like, well, I'm just not extroverted or Mm -hmm. I just don't think this works for me. Mm -hmm. What would you, do you ever have people like that that come to your workshops that are like, I'm not sure it's for me, but Mm -hmm. maybe. Yeah. The first thing I say is honor your truth. Mm. And so it's good to know, because one of the things I focus on, one of my key principles in healing through seduction is learning how to honor your boundaries and self-consent. So when you learn and practice how to honor your boundaries with yourself, it's easier with other people. So I always say, give yourself consent. And at any point, it starts to feel dangerous, stop. But ask, does this feel dangerous or does this feel like I'm disrupting a pattern that has become, you know, something that I'm relying on, right? The other thing is we're not asking you to actually do a theater show, right? So that's the beauty of it because everyone loves theater because TV shows are also theater. (laughs) It's also a theater production. So we all want to tell our own story though. So even if you are someone who's like, I don't want to be on stage, perfect. This is for people who don't want to be on stage and people who are performers, I we make sure they understand this is not about you performing. I'm not asking you to perform. I'm asking you to feel. I'm asking you to connect. But then also I'm asking you, yeah, if it doesn't feel good to you, don't do it. I will never try to convince anyone. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, 100%. Because it ultimately Mm-mm. isn't going to serve them, right? No, and everything isn't for everybody. Mm, yeah. You know, like talk therapy works for a lot of people, but I work with a dance therapist, right? Mm-hmm. So that works for me. You know, she we do somatic healing, we do some dancing, and then we do talk also. So you, it's about you finding 
what's best for you. But I am going to honor that everyone wants an opportunity to finally tell their story. Yeah, no, 100%. I'm trying to think of the way that I'd want to tell mine, you know. <laughs> it's a journey. I, I was also really curious about, um, like, the intersections that you mm-hmm. live in, you know, being a Black woman especially. How has mm. that influenced one, I guess, your performance, and secondly, like the reception of it, mm-hmm. like, you know, all those kinds of things. It was a beautiful nightmare. It's <laughs> <laughs> a beautiful nightmare because I'm a Black woman coming into a white woman's world. Yeah. You know, and, and as a Black woman, we're always in a white woman's world, you know, um, because one thing I'll give white men that they've done a good job other than over any other race of people is convince everyone that their women are the standard. They, I, I will give it to white men uh, now. I will give them that. You know, job well done, man. You did it. Like, everyone is convinced mm-hmm. that white women are the standard. So then you come in as a dark-skinned black woman, not a biracial black woman, mm-hmm. into this art form that black women dominated in, right, and other races but as I said earlier, I couldn't, you can't even now, now you can, but this for me was like early 2000s, couldn't find hardly any evidence of the black women. And, and I started in the South. So I definitely had the, you know, you're not pretty enough to do this. Your body isn't right to do this. You're not a bombshell. You know, you can only do an African theme. You can only be the high energy person because you're black. But, and I say a beautiful nightmare because I made a choice not to focus on the handful of white men who told me I wasn't good enough and chose to listen to the audience as they were cheering, standing to their feet with tears in their eyes, right? And I, and I, and I feel proud that I... I think why a lot of people gravitate towards me is because I'm not the typical beauty. I'm not the typical bombshell. I have a different type of beauty and I do represent the underdog. I do represent, you know, the, the, the people who feel like they are the black swan. I feel like, you know, people who feel like they're not quite of this world, they're otherworldly, they're other. And so I, I feel good to be our champion. And I feel grateful that burlesque, chose me this is my destiny which is why I have this burlesque coaching program like now this is part of the performance and I'm helping other people heal themselves by creating a burlesque routine be it for audience of one or a million I I absolutely love that and also I completely agree like modern day beauty standards are upheld by white supremacy and Mm -hmm. you know it harms everyone um well, I mean, it harms other people more than, you know, some people. No, more I agree. I, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, do. I do. And patriarchy and capitalism. And it's like, yeah. you need to spend to look a certain way. It doesn't matter who you are. You're just never good enough, right? No. And people are literally dying trying to live up to the standard. Literally. Yeah. All yeah. races. All races. So you're right. All of us are hurting. It's hurting everyone. No, I completely agree. So, um, yeah, fuck the white men. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. you're right. I've, I've pretty much said that on every podcast episode anyway so it's okay I just blame them for everything uh, yes um but what I wanted to know more about your teaching program but mm. also 
what was the trigger of you being like, I want to teach, I want to pass this on? You know, when were you like, okay, no, I need to, I need to show people how they do this. I didn't want to do it. Let me tell you, <laughs> I didn't choose the game. The game chose me. I did not want to teach. And I, I like ran from this destiny for at least a decade. Wow. Um, but people started calling me Mama Pearl in the burlesque community. People started messaging me for advice. So I was like teaching privately behind mm -hmm. the scenes for a long time. And then um, I found myself looking at Paris is Burning. And it's a beautiful documentary about the ballroom scene. And Willie Ninja came on the screen, the House of Ninja. And I said, oh, my God, I want to create this burlesque house. I want a, a burlesque version of this. So in 2017, I created a burlesque house called the House of Noir. And I took a group of women and became their full-time mentor. And mm -hmm. the, the house is actually still active. And also when I was performing, people would book me for these private sessions. And I was still trying to keep everything <laughs> just <laughs> running. And then finally, people were like, when are we getting the classes? Like there was just so many requests that I mm. couldn't ignore it. So for a lot of us, our destiny is right there and we're running from it and we're hiding from it. So mm. that's how I got here. Finally <sighs> submitting to the mission. Yeah. You must, you must feel quite a sense of like, I don't know, it'd be so nice to just know what my destiny was, you know? Mm. I must say I'm grateful. And I, and I knew as a child, I knew, I knew I had a greater purpose. And, you know, even the pimp that a pimp released me because she mm -hmm. said she had a dream that I had a greater purpose and that she was told in a dream to release me you don't get released mm -hmm. mm. no that's that's crazy you because you said that night like didn't you speak to the moon as well yes when I used to sneak out of the house to talk to the moon and everyone assumed I was sneaking out to see boys um because again I had a womanly figure um no hips or ass I'm from the south and I'm still upset about it it's fine but I had like D cups at like 11 so you know, and it was like, I would get attention from men, obviously attention that scared me it was not good because mm -hmm. I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And so instead of everyone telling the men not to look at the, the 11, 12, 13 year old, it mm -hmm. was on me that I had to cover up. I had to change. And, but I just knew that that was wrong. And I was like, no, my sensuality, my feminine power, that's my strength. And so mm -hmm. it's, it, it's like, no wonder that the art form that calls me in is one where you're topless, if you choose to be. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think your story is just like incredibly inspiring. Thank you. And honestly, it makes me want to go out there and like, I don't know if, I don't know if I could do burlesque because I have no rhythm. Like, do you need to be a good dancer? No, absolutely not. And that's the beauty of it. Oh my mm -hmm. God. If you go back and look at some of the videos from like back in the day, some of those women just stood still and there's power mm -hmm. in being seen, being still, right? 
some of them did dance their tails off. Some people in this generation dance their tails off. Some people focus on comedy and burlesque. That was, that's the root of it. Mm-hmm. So comedy is how it started. Um, and then, you know, one day a beautiful accident happened and now the striptease element is the only mm-hmm. part that people think of, but it's actually not the root of burlesque. And you can do something like lounge on a couch and take off a beautiful glove and that's burlesque. It's about mm-hmm. your expression. So you don't need to dance a certain way. You don't need to look a certain way. That's why the art form is so healing and empowering. Yeah. How has it affected your relationships? Like how has the journey and mm. I guess the self-healing and the self-seduction especially, how's that? have you brought that into relationships too? Um, not any romantic relationships. Mm. I find myself very rarely thinking of romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really date. Um, it's just something that doesn't, since I was young, it doesn't come up for me. Yeah. Um, but I've definitely brought it into my relationships with my burlesque daughters, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, my platonic relationships, because I know we all think about that with the romantic relationships, but we got to make sure we bring in that self-healing into our friendships too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause for a lot of us, those are the relationships we have the longest. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I, you know, I, I remember there was a study on I think female friendships especially, and it was saying that like positive friendships play mm-hmm. a bigger part on your well being than your romantic relationships do. I agree. Oh hey, and it's it's important to show up as your. <laughs> No, but you're right. And I think it's important to show up as your best self, you know, for your friends so that they can do the same for you. Yes, because you just rely on your friends all the time. Mm-hmm. You, and you want to make sure that they're not the people you're emotionally dumping on. Like some conversations are for your friends and some are for your therapist. And that's when you want to be on the healing journey to where you know which is which. You know? Yeah. And not asking your friends to play a role they're not supposed to. A hundred percent. But what advice would you give to someone who, you know, thinks these things are inaccessible for them? You know, be it like money or time or they want to heal, but they're like, you know, I just need to put food on the table. I just Mm -hmm. need to make sure that I don't have a meltdown. Absolutely. What we want to do is not overlook the time that we are in. So Mm -hmm. we want to do things like use social media for the right reasons. So a lot of people go on social media to scroll or to have arguments, right? Uh, One thing that people tell me that they tell themselves and then they tell me is, well, I don't have the time. And that is actually not true. We all have time to prioritize nurturing ourselves. You just want to be mindful. So for me personally, the only thing that's showing up on my feed are inspirational pages. We have so many therapists on social media giving out free therapy sessions every day we have things like better help that like we have therapy apps now right we have therapists on youtube we have if you don't want a traditional therapist we live in a time where there's people like me who are offering non-traditional ways to heal yourself so it's a thing of there actually is no such thing as something not being accessible these days. If you're willing to honor the times that we're living in, if you're willing to say, wow, I live in a time where there are so many free resources at literally at my fingertips. 
So am I going to scroll when I say I don't have time? Am I going to watch mm-hmm. a Netflix film about murderers? Right? Mm-hmm. Am I watching Law and Order before bed? Like, I even had to save myself because, honey, believe me. Dun, dun, mm, 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 mm. Like, listen, I love the song too. But there are choices that, mm-hmm. that you have to put. Because when we say things are inaccessible, what we're doing is giving the blame, shifting the blame on someone else. Mm-hmm. Th- this is, that's not a thing. Yeah, no. Sorry. <laughs> that's hashtag not true. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. I know, sorry. So be mindful of what you're watching, mm. what you're eating, food on the table. There's also ways to nourish yourself on a budget. You know, um, get get some beans, some black beans, soak those boys overnight, put them in a crock pot. One of my daughters just made an amazing thing of beans. We ate the hell out of it. Put some avocado up in there. You're full of all day. Like there are beautiful ways, but especially with your mental health right now, mm-hmm. there are the free services. Um, that was the beauty of the pandemic was that it put the world on true notice. And so the pandemic after that, that's when there was all these free apps coming, right? So take a second, give yourself an hour to search for the free resources. But then if you're going to be on social media anyway, why not make sure you're not following any news? You're only following Mm -hmm. the good news outlets. You're following therapists that make you feel good. You're following people like us that are having these beautiful conversations. So, so, so honor your truth. Yes, things are hard. However, put the mirror up to yourself and ask yourself if you're tired though. Mm-hmm. And ask yourself, what can you do that's free? Go right to that free app and get those free resources. I love it. I love it. You're so right, you know, because I think, you know, some things can be difficult. Mm -hmm. But if you put if you place that limiting mindset on yourself, if you just say it's not it's not anything that I have control over. Yes. Then but I I don't know. I don't know if that's something that we're taught or it's just us trying to do the easy thing. I mean, we do see it. We see our parents, we see our loved ones growing up being miserable. Mm. working themselves to the bone. I mean, we so it's taught to us. We see it on yeah. TV. Right. It's it's just taught to us. Now, I want to just say, now, if you are someone who has true mental illness, you have some harmful thoughts, then we want to reach out for help. Like, you know, honor whatever mm. your version of the truth is. But most people are not having mental breaks. Mm. that's not Mm. what most people are going through Mm. so Mm. i want to be clear who i'm speaking to i I, I, i'm I'm talking to you if you are in the right frame of mind yeah and so in your right frame of mind i want you to do the right thing on these apps and and stop watching documentaries about murderers honestly i used to watch criminal minds and i'd be terrified me too i'd be be walking around i'm like oh my god me too behind me so now we've just given ourselves anxiety. Yes, yes. Not society, not the white man, no one. No one. No one told us to do that in our house. Now, maybe we can't control what happens out there, 
but inside of your home on your TV and your phone, oh, you do have control. Mm, mm, mm. 100%. 100%. <laughs> right. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I I absolutely love speaking to you. I have a couple more questions sure. for you though. And um, what's what's in the pipeline for you? Like what's coming up? Oh my goodness! So I have my twelve month burlesque coaching program. I've never offered a twelve month program wow. like this before. So I've had the membership forever, and mm-hmm. I was kind of hiding it. <laughs> I'm just such a cancer and I was like no it's going to be invitation only and then my coach Robert was like girl no this needs to be out in the world and so right now I what I have on the pipeline is this beautiful membership and what we're going to do in those 12 months the first half we're going to be creating these personalized rituals burlesque inspired self-seduction and then the other six months I'm going to be creating a burlesque routine for them then we're all going to meet here after a year in New York City get together for a two three-day retreat going to have some of my favorite chefs make us food going to rent out a space where it's just us we're going to be in our lingerie all day and then we're going to do a performance for each other And in that time, we're going to focus on how to honor our boundaries, finding that inner sanctuary within ourselves. I'm going to introduce them to the art of self-seduction, the art of burlesque, how they can transform, how to create these small, like shorter five-minute rituals for yourself. So you're not telling yourself, oh, I just, you know, feel so disconnected. I can't get through today. We're going to learn how to incorporate glamour into our life. And the thing about glamour is like the original meaning was to cast a spell. So we're going to learn how to cast spells on ourselves. We're going to be in community. I'm going to have one-on-one sessions with everyone. And then we're going to meet weekly for a group class. So I can't wait to have this community, seeing all these people having one hour a week for themselves to be in lingerie, to be fun, playful, silly. So I have that on the pipeline. I'm really, really excited about that. I'm planning some of my burlesque retreats for next year and also an HTS tour. So that's what we've got coming up. You are booked and busy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, very much so. Yes, but not in one of my superpowers is I always avoid burnout. So I usually Mm. do a three, sometimes a four day work week. And the other mm-hmm. days I let myself recharge. So that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And everyone, I feel like the, I think humans are designed to like not work in the capacity that most people do work anyway. Yes, yes. yes. So, God, you have such a luxury and you know, you deserve all of that time. Thank off. you. And thank you. I'm super excited for your, your retreat. Thank um, you. And on the 12 month program, it sounds amazing. Thank you. Um, but I have one more question for you. I love it. Um, it's what impression would you like to leave on the world? The one I'm leaving already. That is, mm. I'm starting a burlesque revolution. I mean, the truth is, I'm honored to say, unlike most artists, unlike a lot of people, I have, I wake up to at least one testimonial a day. Mm. so I'm already seeing that I'm leaving my mark my burlesque children I have hundreds all over the world that are honoring my legacy I I've done so much and what everyone talks about is how 
healed they feel watching me live my truth. So mm-hmm. I must say, I'm already leaving it. I love that. I love that so much. Um, and I just wanted to also just give you the opportunity if you want to direct people anywhere or mm-hmm. if they can reach out to you. Do you have any shows, like mm-hmm. anything that you want to plug, please do. Yes, I would plug my beautiful Instagram because that's where everyone can see my rituals. So my Instagram is the Pearl Noir, T-H-E-P-E-R-L-E-N-O-I-R-E. Or you can go to my website, blackburlesquequeen.com, and you'll see my quiz there. Or you'll see an opportunity to get a free ebook. But you can also DM me. I'm always on Instagram. Uh, because that's where everyone contacts me. I would just say Instagram, I take people there first so that mm. they can they can mm. see me, you know, if they like my energy. And usually if you trust the person's energy, you'll be more open to the intimacy with them, even if you're an introvert. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I feel like I've had like a virtual hug the whole time we've been speaking. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's what I want. <laughs> Well, thank you so, so, so much for speaking to me. You're just incredible. And I've learned a lot, you know. Okay, good. Thank you for having me. I know um, anytime I reach out to people, it's like, what is she talking about? So thank you for being like, let's have a little meeting and see if I think that you're right for my audience. So thank you to all your listeners. Thank you for being open to this healing through seduction concept. I love it. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye.